Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I know I've been praying a lot today, but we're praying people. And so, Lord, thank you for your word today. God, let it come alive and explode in our hearts and our hearts. God, let us believe it. Uh, God, let us have faith in it today in Jesus name. Thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best. Teach in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So today I want to continue uh, our series that we've been on. Uh, basically, the title is this. It's the behavior of royalty. And uh, once again, the foundational thought of this series is this. It's pretty simple. It's at the moment that you and I ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of our hearts. At that moment, we instantly became the royal sons and daughters of God. Isn't that true? Yes. So and just as every parent in this room, as you understand that there's a way that you desire for your kids to behave, so does our Heavenly Father, that there's an actual way that he desires for us to behave or to conduct our lives. And so thus we're calling this the behavior of royalty. Now, if we could sum the behavior of royalty up really in one word, it would be this. It would be love. Can somebody say love? Let's say it again like we mean to say love. Now, several weeks ago, I, I shared with you guys about the time that God began to uh, move in my heart concerning this behavior. It was uh, 13 years ago. Jen and I was living in, in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and we were sitting in a Sunday night service. And as I was just kind of off to the side, just kind of praying in the spirit, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said this real clear. He just simply said, Quentin, love God, love people, love yourself and receive love from all three. Once again, Love God, love people, love yourself, and receive love from all three. Now, I'll be the first to admit it. That's pretty basic, pretty elementary at face value. Okay? Uh, but the truth is, is those simple words that I heard that night has probably challenged my heart and healed my heart more than any words God has ever spoken to me in the whatever 18, 19 years that I've been saved. And, uh, you know, the, the funny part about it, at least to me, is this. It wasn't like that night I was, you know, staying there. I would say probably about six or seven years, whatever, at the time. It, it wasn't like I, I never thought about loving God before. I mean, it's kind of like what Christian doesn't think about loving God? What Christian doesn't think about loving people? The Bible is so full of those things. If you actually read the Bible, it's going to challenge you in that, correct? But But what happened was, is once he said that to me, it was as if, God literally came and just took me by the hand personally and began to lead me on an intentional journey where he said, you know what, son, we're going to search your heart in every one of these areas. So I can say this literally for the last 13 years, you know, there's things, let me maybe say it this way. There's things that God will speak to our heart and it kind of lasts for a season, maybe a month, maybe two months, whatever. But, but when he spoke this to me literally for the last 13 years, it keeps challenging and it keeps healing. You know, so it's like God continues to give me these small glimpses uh, just of these areas, once again, of loving him, of loving people, of loving myself. He keeps giving me these glimpses of what's really in his heart in those areas, of what's really from his perspective. And every time that I, that I catch one of those glimpses, it changes my life. We all know what that's like, right? When God brings revelation to you, how it literally changes you. And so, you know, through the years, basically, this has changed, uh, you know, my relationship with him. It's changed my relationship with people. And I think most of all, it's changed the way I viewed myself. So, you know, kind of last week I gave an example of this. But as far as when it comes to the loving God part... I said this last week, just kind of a reminder for, for most of my Christian walk. And I think a lot of people in this room can relate to this. Uh, when it came to loving God, uh, basically, I loved God from a position of performance and from a position of fear. 
And I think as crazy and as almost as embarrassing as it sounds, I, I almost once again loved God in that way because I felt like I had to prove to him and I had to prove to people around him that I really did love him. You, have you ever felt the pressure to look spiritual? And that's where I was at. But, but once again, you know, through these glimpses, I've kind of learned, I guess what, and we, we kind of sang about this morning, but he's a good dad. You know, I've just seen him different. I, I've learned that he accepts me. He loves me unconditionally. And uh, and this, which I really had a hard time wrapping my brain around, but he enjoys spending time with me. Sounds silly, but it's true, right? So, you know, now instead of being from a, a position of my love coming from performance and fear, it now comes from a position of security and rest and a position of joy. Because how many of you guys know, just as we talked about last week, uh, basically loving God is never supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a joy. Amen. All right. So this week we're going to kind of change gears. I want to draw our attention to loving people. And uh, I'm going to be pretty straightforward today and uh, pretty simple. OK, there's nothing real amazing about this, uh, but I just kind of want to bring our heart back on track of where it should be. So let me maybe start with this. I think that if you and I were honest, that we would admit that sometimes as Christians, it's easy to get in our little bubble and only love those that look like us, smell like us, think like us. Talk like us, act like us, and believe like us. Isn't that true? I mean, I mean, literally, just, just sit for a moment and think about the people that you've been irritated with over the last, whatever, three, four, five months. And, and, and is, is it because that they have those things? It's probably because they don't have those things. Once again, let, let, me, let me maybe say it this way. One of the things that causes the church to get ticked off more than anything is politics. So let's go back at this. Once again, they think like us, talk like us, act like us, believe like us. Are you with me? Are you feeling what I'm saying today? So, but listen, how many of you guys know that Jesus never taught us to only love those who resemble us? Please get that. that He never taught us to just love those people that resembled us. In fact, we know from the Bible that he actually taught us to love people who are in the family and even those people who don't want to be in the family. Yes? Remember what he said, and we've read this verse plenty of times over the last few weeks, but Matthew 22, verses 37 through 38, it simply says this. It says, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. Here's the key part. You shall love your neighbor. Somebody say neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let's, let's run this a little bit. Let's take it a little deeper. Um, in Luke chapter 10, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, wave your hand up if you ever heard that parable. Come on, wave it big. Yep. All right. Let's hear it again for the first time. Here we go. So in Luke chapter 10, in the parable of the Good uh, Samaritan, basically a Jewish lawyer came to Jesus. And what did he do? He asked Jesus to define for him what his neighbor was. Now, Jesus, being a wise man, he quickly realized uh, that this guy wasn't necessarily looking for an answer as much as he was looking for a loophole to basically get out of having to love someone he didn't want to love. Right. So what did Jesus know? Uh, Jesus do at that moment. He decided to teach him a parable. Right. So in the parable, we know that Jesus told the lawyer about a Jewish man. Obviously, the lawyer was a Jew. Correct. Correct. Come on. Wake up this morning. Correct. Yes. 
So listen, he knew that basically once again, the lawyer was a Jew. So what he did is he told a story about a Jewish man that was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. We know it's about a 20 mile hike and it's really through a, a rough, dangerous terrain. Right. So watch this. We all know that as this man was on his way, he was attacked. He was robbed. He was left literally for dead by a group of bandits. Is that true? OK. All right. So fast forward in the story. Sometime later, this man's laying, you know, half dead in the middle of the road. A Jewish priest comes walking by. Fast forward again, a Levite who is a Jew, a worship leader, comes walking by. These are people that the lawyer could relate to. These are people that the lawyer in some way could have said they resemble me. Right? What, but what happened? Both of them decide to do nothing, correct? So after that, what happened? A, a person that the lawyer hated. A person that he considered to be a guy from a member of a less than human, watch this, this is their words, not mine, from a less than human mongrel race known as the Samaritans. And not only that, he was a guy that was of a different religion. What happened? This guy came along, a guy that definitely didn't look like him, smell like him, think like him, talk like him, or act like him. What happened? He had compassion on the Jewish traveler and he saved his life. Is that true? Here's the point that Jesus was trying to make, and this is what I'm trying to tell you today. So open up your heart really wide. Jesus' answer to the lawyer was basically this. He said, fella, take the person that you dislike and you hate the most. Take the person that you typically wouldn't want to even have a conversation with. I'm talking about the kind of guy you wouldn't cross the street to say hello to. Take the kind of person that if he was the last guy on earth, you would literally think that he did not deserve to be in your presence. And Jesus said, guess what, guy? That's your neighbor. Are you hearing me today? So let's ask ourselves a question this morning. Who's our Samaritan? Sure is quiet in this church. Church. L- l- listen, take a moment for real, because we all got them. We'll be honest. Take a moment and not think maybe necessarily a specific person, but the type of person that you would say, you know what? That's the last guy that I would want on the planet or gal that I would want to have a conversation with. It looks kind of awkward and husband and wives are looking at each other like, oh, like, are you talking about him? <laughs> Anyways, whatever. But, but, but think about that for a second. Literally, the last person on the planet that you would think, because we all, we all got it, that we literally go, you know, they wouldn't deserve to be in my presence. And, and here's Jesus saying, guess what, guys? Uh, that person, what's this? Not only is he saying that person is your neighbor, but he's also saying you need to love that person just like you love yourself. Somebody say, ouch. So let me give you maybe a personal example really quick. And I didn't tell Jen I was going to share this because I was afraid she'd tell me I couldn't. But it's not bad. It's not bad. Jen's a lot nicer than I am. But anyway, so watch this. So a few months after Jen and I got married, uh, we moved from Louisiana to, uh, to North Carolina. We moved to North Carolina, and we had uh, two... Total different types of neighbors, meaning on one side versus the other side. On our left side, there was a uh, just an absolute amazing family of four. Now they're a family of five. Uh, to kind of give you a little bit of background, um, they were Romanian, and uh, their parents actually fled Romania because of religious persecution. So these guys uh, loved Jesus. They were devout. And, uh, you, you know, once again, a little bit different than maybe what all I believe, but, but just, just the salt of the earth kind of people. So this guy uh, and gal, I think he was from Detroit. She was from New York where they ended up moving. 
They end up getting married, and he ended up joining. Basically, God spoke to his heart and, uh, and told him to join the military. And so that's how he ended up in North Carolina. And so this guy is going through basically the special operations world. And, uh, and right before right, we were getting really close, uh, the Lord plucked him and, and moved him to D.C. The government plucked him and put him in D.C. But I, I have to say this about those guys. Uh, they were kind, they were giving, and they were an absolute joy to love. I mean, they were just precious people. They, they, they operated uh, from such a different mindset that most Americans do, and they were just pure. I just, I just loved their heart. But on the other side, watch this, uh, lived a peculiar family of three. The dad and son, I'll be really nice, they were just socially awkward, all right? And, and I'm going to be really nice. Uh, the mom... Everything inside of me screamed, this woman has the crazy gene. <laughs> kind of seeing in her eye, right? It kind of twitches. So to understand, just so you kind of, this is just a brief example, but this woman would show up at my front door, and she wouldn't knock on the front door. She would bang on my front door, and she would scream out my name. I hate when people call me. I'm thinking the neighbors are hearing this woman go, Quan! Quan! you know, anyway. So she's banging on the door, hollering my name. Until literally I came and opened the door and I opened the door and she had put a bowl of chicken in my hand. Okay, thanks for the chicken, whatever, you you know, but it was kind of one of those. Have you ever had somebody give you something? You're like, I don't know if I want to eat that. That's kind of how I felt. But but since I'm since I'm from Alabama, we eat chicken. I ate it, I think. But anyway, so so anyway, so I, I take the chicken. Now, watch this. We, we ended up moving. And then one day, I don't know if we heard it uh, from the guy that was our banker or whatever, but we found out that this is the part that I, that I know she's going to be like, Ugh. we found out that this woman that used to bang on my door went down for a trip to Florida and she got down to Florida and uh, and she was visiting her mom and she was trying to convince her mom to move back to North Carolina with them. Well, mom didn't want to move. I, th- this is going to be pretty blunt here, and I won't give all the details. Mom didn't want to move, and she got super bent out of shape. And, uh, and she, once again, kept trying to convince her mom and said no. And so she waited for her mom to take a nap, and then she took a hatchet and chopped her mom in the neck and killed her. And then did a whole, there's a whole lot of other sicko, crazy stuff in there. Needless to say, the puzzle came together. <laughs> crazy gene, right? So... I, and I'm not saying that, listen, that's not funny, but, but, but to kind of give you, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I live beside a woman that kills somebody. Are you, are you following me? So watch this. So on one side, I love to love those guys. On the other side, I, I didn't just not want to love them. I wanted to run from them. Yes, but here's what I found out through this process. There is a point to all this, is that as crazy it may sound, Jesus wants me to love both of them, and he wants me to, uh, let me maybe say this, he, he not only... Uh, he not only loves them, but he expects me to love them. And he wants me to love them like he loves them. Are you all following me? Yes? So how do I know this? It's because the Bible tells us this in James 2.8. And I'm going to read a little bit more than what we've been reading the past few weeks. Uh, notice it says this. It says, if you. Somebody say, if you. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall agape, or you shall love your Neighbor as yourself. And he's quoting Matthew 22. Watch this. He says, if you do that, notice the last part, you do well. Good job. Right? In other words, you almost did your duty. You did what I expected you to. But look at verse 9. It says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. Now watch this. Actually, what that word show partiality means in the Greek language 
it, it denotes this. It means making a distinction among people based on their rank or influence. Making a distinction among people based on their rank or influence. In other words, let me just get real. God is saying, I get it. You, 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 those people are easy to love. Those people are difficult to love, but I'm not so concerned about that. I need you to love both of them the way I love them. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So let, let me, let me kind of make this a little bit clearer. So here's what I've been realizing more and more. Okay. And I'm not saying that I got this down by any means, but we'll, we'll go at it together. Here's what I'm learning. That Jesus loves the conservative and the liberal. That he loves the educated and the uneducated. That he loves the straight person and the gay person. That he loves the pro-life and the pro-choice. That he loves the innocent and the guilty. That he loves the prostitute, the alcoholic, and the addict. That he loves the red, yellow, black, and white. That he loves the Protestant and the Catholic. That he loves the Christian, the Muslim, the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness, the New Age. Keep tracking, right? That he loves the faithful and the faithless. That he loves those who bless his name and those who curse his name. That he loves those who love him and those who hate him. That he loves those from the right side and the wrong side of the tracks. That he loves the richer and the poor. He loves the giver and the taker. He loves the generous and the greedy. That he loves the healthy and the sick. That he loves the whole and the broken. That he loves the saved and the unsaved. That he loves the righteous, the self-righteous, and the unrighteous. That he loves the pure and the impure. And that he loves the unlovable, the unlikable, the unwanted vulnerable and the unloving. Are you hearing me today? And the wild part about it is, gang, is he loves them all the same unconditionally. Listen, I, I know we all say, you know, God loves everyone. But do we really believe it? Drop the mic moment. We can leave right there. We say God loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves everybody. But do we really believe it? And the reason I ask that question, because if we really believed it, we would too. We'd love them too. But the truth is, is in our hearts. And, uh, you know, granted, I know it comes with fallen nature and all those things. There's prejudice in there. Right? There's parts that draw a line. And, and what we do is we try to make the love of God conditional when it's unconditional. Yes? See, I know it's hard for us to wrap our finite minds around. In fact, let me, let me throw something out before I go into this. L- let, me, let me give you some of my perspective real fast. Living in the town that I lived in in, in, uh, in Fayetteville, obviously having buddies that, um, that yearly go and they fight on our behalf. To people who not only hate America, but they hate my God. Are you hearing me? And so my buddies, guys that I, can, that I am closer to than my own family, they go over there and they fight those guys and they put their lives on the line for this country and for you. Okay, it's not, it's not, hear me, it is not Washington, it is you. So many of those guys, the reason they go and they fight, and they'll tell you this, is for one reason, is because they realize if they don't take it there, they're going to come here and we're going to be fighting in our own backyard. So remember that the next time you think about those guys, all right? Pray for them because they need you to pray for them. So, listen, so I got good buddies, right, that are brothers that are over there fighting these guys, and these guys are trying to kill my friends. How many of you guys know it's hard to say I'm going to love them? It's true, guys. So, so I have found so many times in praying for protection and the covering of my friends, I'm feeling anger and hate towards the enemy. Yes? And here's what I forget in a moment. We might repeat this in a second, but I forget that guess what? They, too, were created in the image of God. 
they too were created with a plan and a purpose from God. Are you, are you following me? Watch this. And, and here's the, the part that kind of brings me back home. And, you know, if you guys uh, read, some of you guys probably read this, but it's like there's more Muslims seeing Jesus than there is Christians seeing Jesus. Because why? Why, why would God intervene and go into a Muslim's life and reveal himself, right? Literally where people are physically seeing Jesus and Jesus talking to them. And these Muslims are surrender life and getting born again. Why is he doing that? He's doing it because he loves them. Yeah? So, li- listen, I, there is a balance to all this, right? I could, I could give you some other scriptures, and obviously, I, you know, we could go Romans 16, that we bear the sword, you know, for a reason, right, to bring justice, okay? Blessed are the peacemakers, not keepers. Keep, please keep peacekeepers going, okay, guys, everybody, let's get along. A peacemaker comes in and drops the hammer and makes peace and brings order. And that's why God, listen, because America has, has uh, chosen to say, God, will answer that call. Here we are, send us, right? Because we've chosen to go and be the peacemakers for this world. God has blessed this nation. And see, and that's the sad part. And, I, you know, I don't ever get political. I don't know why I'm doing it today. But, but, but that's the scary part that our, that our government, I'll leave it there, is trying to pull us away from what literally that's, that's, that's made a way for God's blessing to be on this, on this country. Right? Yes? So anyway, so listen, so... Whatever. Let me put a bow on this and move on. Right. Is, is this is we need to pray for our nation. Right. We, and we need to. There's been presidents of people that I personally know that have, that have no words. I know a person that knows whatever. You know, we're one person away from a relationship that has met with past presidents once a week and said, this is what God is saying. We need that kind of guy in the White House again. That will be open and say, you know what, uh, tell me what God is saying. We need that conscience to come back in our nation. Okay? Because literally, I mean, once a week, I mean, I know of a president that, that met with several guys. One guy was a really good prophet. The other guy was a really good pastor. And the pastor, he met literally every Monday, and he made his cabinet with him every Friday. Okay? So please pray for our nation. We need it. Amen? God's not done with us. Okay. All right. So here we go. So let's get back on track. So in all those lists of those people, I know it's really hard for us to wrap our finite minds around it. But but I need you to understand today that agape, because that's what it says. If you love, if you agape your neighbor. Right. And who's your neighbor? That person you don't want him to be. All right. So agape doesn't love the right and not love the wrong. Are you hearing me? That God doesn't like the per- God just doesn't love the person that He agrees with Him on everything and say, you know what, I'm not going to love the guy that I disagree with. Is that true? I'm looking quiet. Agape doesn't consider the earthly value of a person before it decides to love, and not just love, but to love all the way. Agape, what, always seeks the highest good for for what? For every person, no matter what he or she does. Is that true? Agape freely, freely what gives and asks nor expects anything in return. And let me just kind of add this, and hopefully this one will make sense. But remember, it was agape that hung on the cross for the just and the unjust. Yes. So let's do this. Let's get personal for a minute. Let's ask ourselves, was there not a time when God himself loved us, even though he hated our lifestyle of sin? 
You, you know, listen, I'm, I'm blown away by, by us, and I'm talking about myself and the church, how sometimes we can, we can revel so much in the grace of God and be so thankful for the, the grace and the mercy and the love of God, but we forget to extend what we've received. Yes? So, so listen, I, I've heard some of your stories. I know my own story. Without a doubt, God reached out in the middle of my mess, and he loved me. Okay? So listen, was there not a time when he looked past our dirt, past our sin, past our failures, our weaknesses, our screwed up emotions, our screwed up thinking? Was there not a time that he did that? So watch this. Once again, I'm going to say it. Same thing I said a while ago. Why did he do that? Because he created you in his image because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Why did he do that? Because he loves you, not because what you have or what you haven't done, but he loves you simply because he is love. All right, so let me kind of change gears here, and we'll, we'll close here shortly. But, but you know, there's, there's certain verses in the Bible. Sometimes I go, God, why do you have the audacity to ask me that? But this scripture, I, I won't say just the audacity, but that he has the right to ask us to do what we find in Matthew chapter 5. Watch this. And I wish we had time to really go through this, but we don't. Maybe we will some other time. Um, because when you break all this down, it is unbelievable. But it says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. It's powerful, isn't it? You know, listen, notice He is telling us to do the exact opposite of what they do to us. And and the reason he can ask us to do that is because that's what he did for us. He did. Did we not do those things to him? But yet he in return gave us those things. And is he still not doing that for those people? Yes, he is. You know, don't think, you know, a moment in your heart that, that, you know, pick a person that you think is just vile as can be. Don't think for a second that God doesn't want to save them. He does. In a lot of cases, you know, he's looking for somebody to stand in the gap. Yeah? Amen. So, watch this. So, if he says, basically, you do all this, watch what happens in verse 45. It says, basically, if you do those things, it's so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Do you get that? In other words, if we're God's kids, we're going to do it that way. Are you understand what I'm saying? That is the behavior of royalty. That's the behavior of his kids. It's the love wall that says, once again, I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to bless those who curse me. I'm going to do good those who hate me. And I'm going to pray for those who spitefully use me and persecute me. Now, watch what it says. It says that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those, please get this, guys. For if you love those who are only in your Christian bubble... What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same to do what? That they love those who love them. It says, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? In other words, if you only greet those who think like you, act like you, talk like you, smell like you, believe like you, are you feeling me? He says, what good is that? And then it says in in verse uh, 46 says, therefore, you shall be perfect or mature just as your father in heaven is. Now, I like the way Luke 6, 31 to 33 puts it. This is kind of Luke's version of it. It says this. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. 
You, you know, let, let me maybe stop here and say this. And um, last week after church, Jen and I sat in the back and we talked to a young lady who's not here today because she had to work. So I'll tell her story. She just said this, um, uh, you know, without details. She just sat there and she just cried. And she, and she said that she was just remembering basically for the years where she walked out of church and she just lived her own way and did her own thing and how God continued to bring people into her life that just kept loving her, kept loving her, kept seeing past the dirt, past the sin, past the failures, all those things, and to the point where God really grabbed her heart and she turned to Him. Yes? So, watch this. Somebody did that with us too, right? And there it says, go do likewise, pretty much. Right? So verse 32, in other words, go give what you've, what you've received. Verse 32 says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Do you get that? For even sinners love those who love them. In other words, we're supposed to be different, yes? Verse 33 says, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. Are you getting the point? Are you starting to see this is the behavior of royalty? There's a higher call for us, for, for us that call ourselves sons and daughters of God. Amen. So let me kind of give you a thought here and then we'll, we'll, we'll land this thing. But I want you to know today that God will never ask you to do something. I, I've said this many times because I'm trying to change the way you think. God will never ask us to do something that he hasn't done himself already or that he isn't willing to do. Yes. And also on top of that, he will never ask you to do something, get this, that he will not empower you to do as well. So the bottom line is I'm going to shoot straight with you. Is it difficult to go down that list and say I'm going to love all those people just as much as I love my friends? Yes. That's why the love walk is a supernatural walk and that we have to be tied into him so that his spirit is flowing through us so we can love them. Yes. Listen, it is the... Supernatural power of God that will cause you to bite your tongue and swallow your pride and then find out what's from the spirit and then say that instead of what your flesh wants to say. Yes. All right. So let's kind of close with this and a few questions here. What would happen if we begin to love people? And I'm repeating all this on purpose. That if we would begin to love people in spite of their dirt, in spite of their sin, in spite of their failures, in spite of their weaknesses, their screwed up emotions, their screwed up thinking, what would happen if we begin to love people, not just love them, but love them well, not because they are right, not because we agree with them, but because they were created in the image of God and because God has a purpose and a plan for their life and because that's what we're called to do? What would happen? Are, are you feeling me? Listen, let me kind of throw this out here for you really fast. The multitude didn't come follow Jesus, right? The multitude didn't run to Jesus because Jesus compromised. They didn't run to Jesus because Jesus somehow got unholy to reach the unholy. Are you following me? They they ran to Jesus because there was a strategy of heaven in operation. It's called the love walk. And because Jesus loved and honored and put value on people because he saw them for the treasures that they really are. Because he can look past who they who they, uh, you know, currently are and love them for who they've been called to be. Are you following me? Because of he was operating in that strategy. Every sinner ran to him and said, you know, I want what you have. Give me some of that water. Right. So watch this. Everybody look here, please, please, please. Okay. Do you realize that heaven is still trying to deploy that same strategy through us? 
So what would happen if, you know, I'm finding out there's more Christians in this area than they're giving credit for. Okay? There is. What would happen if all of us really grabbed a hold of the kingdom and started doing it his way and not our way? What would happen in this region? What would happen at your work? Right? What would happen in your family? Because we all got a crazy Uncle John. Right? Everybody got a crackhead in the family. Mine just happens to be Uncle John. That's what I'm saying, Uncle John. All right? So... Are y'all with me? What would happen, though, if we begin to do it his way? Amen. So, listen, I'm going to I'm going to um, I'm going to share a story with you really quick. And I have no clue why I'm sharing this, but maybe to. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we can make it apply. I just felt like I need to throw this in here. I wanted to do it next week, maybe. But I said, no, I'm going to do it today. But but I read this in a book and I thought this was really good. And I almost feel like um, this is the way we need to approach things. Okay, but it said this, the book I was reading, it said it said that a newspaper columnist, whatever you say, columnist, there we go, administered George Crane. uh, Basically, he tells the story of a wife who came into his office full of hatred towards her husband. Is it okay to say now watch this? Is it okay to say that sometimes we hate the people that don't think like we think? Come on, talk to me. Yes. Quit acting all spiritual. Just get honest. Right. He knows. He don't, listen, you can fake everybody else, but he knows. All right. He knows what you really think and, and those words you really want to say. All right. Let's get real. All right. Here we go. So anyway, so he tells a story about a woman who hated her husband. And, and here's what the woman said. She said, I do not only want to get rid of him. I want to get even before I divorce him. I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. So Dr. Crane suggested ingenious plan. So what he said. Go home and act as if you really loved your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you. Make him believe you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce that will really hurt him. Watch this. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, beautiful, beautiful. She said, will he ever be surprised? And watch this. And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if for two months that she showed love. For two months, she showed love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing and sharing. Watch this. When she didn't return, Dr. Crane called and said, are you ready now to go through with the divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed, never. Watch this. I discovered I really do love him. The actions had changed her feelings. The motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love, get this, the ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as often repeated deeds. See, God wants to know today, are we willing to love people with our words, deeds, and action? Not because we feel like it. But because we know that's the way the kingdom works. And here's what I believe that happens. If we would maybe get out of our self-righteous spot for a second and begin to get where they're at. Remember, we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus came to a level place, right? And we get to where they're at and we just begin to just show acts of kindness, you know, words of kindness, all those things to people. I think we'll find in our hearts, even though we don't agree with them, we really do love them. Because here's what happens. There's an exchange that happens. When we finally give God our hate, he gives us his love. Yes? 
that God's wanting to bring a divine exchange in our lives so we can be effective for the kingdom. And, and you know, let me throw this out there. And this is not to make anybody feel guilty. Do not hear it this way at all, okay? But as a pastor, you know, I, I am, um, and Chris can tell you, we sit back and wonder, man, why do people not want to come to church? Why wouldn't they, right? Why wouldn't they want to meet Jesus? I didn't grow up in this thing. I met him and fell in love with him, and, and so I don't get why people wouldn't want him, okay? But here's the, here's the truth. is It's not that people don't want Jesus so much. It's, it's that they don't want the church. They don't, want, they don't want to. In other words, it's because people in the church are so unlike him, they don't want anything to do with the church. So if we change our heart and change our, 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 our MO and we begin to do it the way he does it, and people could actually see Jesus through us, what would happen? Are you with me today? Amen. So, you, you know, I, I remember years ago, and we're done, but I, I remember years ago I was at a church in Rockford, Illinois, and, uh, and I met this guy named Pastor Jeremy DeWert. He actually pastors the church now. At that time, he worked in the same kind of school of ministry that, that we did, um, but ours is in Birmingham. Theirs was there. And I remember uh, meeting him, and, and this church was blowing up. I mean, they, they had, uh, I think, like, they had over 1,000 youth in their, in, their, in their youth department. And they had, I don't know, like 300 youth workers. And they had 300 school of ministry students. I mean, these guys were doing it, right? And, and I, remember, I remember going up to Jeremy, and I said, Jeremy, I said, all of this doesn't really impress me. I said, but I'm going to tell you what does impress me is you guys love for people. And, and here's what Jeremy said, and please get this, okay, and, and, and then we'll close. Jeremy said this. He goes, Quentin, I'll be honest with you. He said at first it was really difficult. It was really difficult, but I, but I knew basically that was God's way, and, and obviously the person that was over him, some of you guys that have been to ministry, Jenny Mayo, that was her youth group, awesome woman of God. And, and she said basically that um, we begin to basically follow Jeannie and we begin to love people like Jesus loves them. And after a while of forcing ourselves to do this, forcing ourselves with actions and deeds and, are you following me, and words, that sooner or later it became so natural it just flowed through us. That's really what God wants to do with us. Amen? All right. Good deal. Let's stand to our feet. If you don't mind, just close your eyes real quick and just posture your heart to receive. We're not going to drag this out. just want to pray for you real fast. Let me just do this because I like bringing people to a place where they have to decide something. If you're here today and you just simply say this, you know what, God? Um, and this Once again, none of this was to make anybody feel guilty or condemned, but you just say, you know what, God, I, I need that kind of love flowing through me because I want to be used for your kingdom. Uh, I want you to move through me like that. Uh, I want to love those people that I don't agree with, I necessarily wouldn't like. Uh, man, I want to love the neighbor of the Samaritan. However you want to word it. If that's you, just throw up both hands, all eyes closed. Throw up both hands. And this doesn't mean you're repenting of some deep, dark sin or hatred or whatever. Just bottom line, Jesus wants to help you. Amen. Amen. Father, you see the hands that are up in this place. And uh, Lord... You know our hearts. You know our hearts, God. You know that you've already deposited the agape love there. God, you're the one said in Romans that you poured it out in our hearts. And we know that Jesus, your son, lives inside of us. So agape is there. And so, Lord, I'm just asking today, God, that you would help us to maybe get out of the way so agape could flow. 
God, that you would help us to set our agenda and our opinions and our, you know, just self-righteousness and all those things that every one of us, including myself, you know, fight and struggle with. Lord, you would help us to set all that to the side so, Lord, that agape could flow through us, God, to every person we meet. Father, that we'd be a type of people that wouldn't just sit back and receive it on our end and not give it. But, Lord, we pray that uh, whatever the dam that's been causing the river of the love of God from, from flowing out of us into people's lives and everywhere we go, Lord, we pray that that land would be broken today. Right now, that dam would be broken in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray today, God, that you would give us your eyes to see them. Give us your heart, God, to just uh, literally have compassion for them. God, give us your ears to, to hear what they're saying. God, and even give us the ability to even see and hear past, God, what they're saying and what they're doing. And to see, God, that in their hearts, God, once again, I, I, we're repeating on purpose. But, God, that we would see, God, that every one of those people that make us so angry, God, that they too are created in the image of God, that they too have a plan and a purpose. That comes from you. And God, help us to begin to call out the golden people instead of focusing on the dirt. And so, Father, thank you for heart change, life change today. Thank you for a fresh baptism of love, God, so we can begin to operate in the way that the kingdom would see fit. In Jesus' name, God, we want to please you. We want to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's okay. You can put your hands together for Jesus.